Happy New Year! The calendar has changed again, but the need to push back against the status quo, lukewarm, mindless, and hypersensitive version of Christianity has not been left in the previous year. Welcome back, friends, to Mavericks and Misfits, where, in this episode, our host, Jeff Lyle, intends to call us to step a little more boldly into reforming how Christians think and live in the 21st century. If we don't fix what is broken in the church, nobody else can. So, it's now time for you to tell us today, Jeff, what God has given you to say. So how is your 2022 starting off? I hope it's starting off marvelously. I hope that uh, if you've made New Year's resolutions, you haven't imploded yet. And uh, if you didn't make any New Year's resolutions, then hey, you have lost nothing because when you don't commit, you cannot fail. That is the mantra of a lot of people. Don't commit because if you commit, you might fail. And if you never commit, haha, you never fail. So that's a terrible way to live. But when it comes to New Year's resolutions, let me just tell you, I never make any, not because I'm afraid of failing, but because I try to live resolved. Uh, 12 months out of the year and don't wait till January to do it. However, however, having said that, I do start each new year with a a certain sense of intentionality, focus, um, a lot of motivation at the beginning of the year. And I try to stay that way. Um, I hope you will too. Listen, I believe this year is going to contain a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. I think it's going to be a a continual roller coaster, but I think it's going to be um, a lot more breakthrough in this year than what we've seen in the last couple of years. The last couple of years have been pummeling. Uh, They've been hard. They've been frustrating at times. They've uh, caused a lot of fear and a lot of people who aren't focused on Jesus. And um, I think the sifting has occurred. It's begun. The sifting. Um, At the end of the age, there will be a continual sifting until at the very end of the age, you're going to find out that there is a, a separating between the goats and the sheep. And I think that in the church, um, the visible church, that's already occurring. I think you're going to be finding out as persecution increases, as um, opposition uh, against Bible-believing Christians globally um, continues to, to rise. Um, you're going to be finding out who's real and who's not. And I'm just going to tell you, um, I believe in the perseverance of the saints. That means I believe that the elect of God, the truly born again, will endure unto the end. But I believe those that are elect, those that are saved, born again, whatever you want to call it, um, I do believe that there is a command repeated in Scripture, sometimes um, overtly, sometimes a little bit more subtly. But the command is that we must be preparing for the end and we must keep the faith. So you have that tension. You have the tension between God keeping us and us abiding in Christ. And um, I just I just hope that you're thinking about it. Guys on Mavericks and Misfits, one of the things that I think is a constant goal for me as the host and the primary teacher is to get you guys thinking about your faith instead of just kind of assuming anything, presuming, or living by emotion instead of, you know, dedicated, proactive, intentional commitment. We're followers of Jesus and we're supposed to be living intentionally committed to Jesus. And that involves your mind. It involves your emotions. It involves your will. In other words, you've got to decide what kind of believer you're going to be. You've got to decide um, what you're going to say yes to, what you're going to say no to. You've got to decide who you're going to run with. The reasons why a lot of Christians are not uh, fulfilling the will of God for their lives and therefore not experiencing the pleasure 
of what it means to walk in the spirit. The reason why for some people is because of the people they're running with that, that they're literally wanting to live committedly as an individual, but they're running with people who are actually moving in the opposite direction. I remember one of the most difficult times in my Christian journey was when right after I got saved, I lost every friend that I had. I mean, every single friend that I had, I had to walk away from. And it, it came really a month or so. I write about it in my book, um, figuring out as I go. I mentioned this season where God just uh, brought revelation to me and showed me that everybody I was still hanging out with was actually moving in the opposite direction of where God wanted to take me. And it was a deeply painful uh, season. Uh, because they felt rejected by me. They felt like I was some, you know, religious, you know, judgmental Christian. And what it basically boiled down to was, man, I'm following hard after Jesus. And these people are still living in and for the world with all of their might. I, I can't be a double-minded man. I got to make up my mind, you know, to whom does my life belong? So I made those decisions in the early days. And I would just say this, I've had to make similar decisions along the way. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be an average Christian. If you're listening to this podcast repeatedly, it's likely you don't want to be an average Christian either, but I hope you're not drafting off of what I'm teaching. I hope you're not just like, you know, saying, you know, yeah, we believe in what Jeff says. I don't, can I be bold? I don't care if you believe what I say. I, I, I want to ask this. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with what I'm teaching? What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you willing? And who are you running after? I'm running after Jesus. And so that means I can't run with people that are running in an opposite direction or zigzagging back and forth between discipleship and the world. I've, I've got to be able to keep my mind fixated, my heart fixated, and my will engaged in, in pursuing Jesus. And so sometimes that'll lead you away from people that are just kind of casual status quo, cultural Christians, you know, can worship God on Sunday and go to the bar on Monday and get drunk. Um, that can, you know, say amen to whatever the prophet says, but then sleep with their boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, or, you know, that they, they, they want to worship God and they want to, you know, be in powerful encounter services, but they won't tithe. They won't give, they won't sacrifice, they won't serve. You know, that's not Christianity. Christianity is not showing up to, to church on Sunday and getting your private worship groove on and then living selfishly. Guys, we're getting down to the end. I mean, I actually have a topic I want to talk about today, but I'm having a hard time getting there. We may not even get there today. Let me just kind of flow a little bit. But we're getting down to the end of the age. Like, I am absolutely 100% convinced that there would be such massive shifts in the coming years. Like, I'm not talking 20 or 25 years. I'm talking about two to five years. That there's going to be such coming shifts in, in the culture, in the professing church, um, I think some of it will be uh, simply because flesh is so strong and the culture has so empowered people's flesh that um, basically the entirety of the non-kingdom culture, the, those things that are outside of Christ, is, is compelling us to live according to our own understanding, which is, in essence, rebellion against what God says. And that you know, the culture is saying, you do what you want to do because you have the right to. And it defies any sense of authority. There's not only spiritual anarchy, there's political anarchy, there's cultural anarchy, there is civic an anarchy. 
Um, even down to the place where like people don't want to obey their bosses at work. It's that kind of spirit that's hit. And so that cultural shift is happening. And then I certainly think that, you know, the demonic realm is actively engaged and um, things are being put in place for the great deception that's going to fall up at the end of the age. Part of that will be fostered by Satan and the demonic realm culminating with the Antichrist and his reign. But it also clearly teaches that that God's going to send a strong delusion. So that those that harden their heart against God, God will say, okay, if you want to harden your heart against me, I'm going to help you. And God will send a strong delusion that if it was possible, even the elect of God would be deceived. So all of that's coming. And people, you know, are just meandering around here. They're playing games at the foot of the cross. They're like those Roman soldiers that were rolling dice at the foot of the cross for Jesus's garments. Well, there's a modern day version of that of, you know, Christians just kind of playing games at the foot of the cross. You know, they, they regard it, they believe in it with a mind, but it hasn't transformed them to the point of dying to themselves and living as unto Jesus. And guys, that is what Jesus declared was the mark of discipleship, that you take up your cross daily, you deny yourself daily, you follow him daily. And I just, man, I'm, I'm worried, like in, not in like a can't sleep sense, but I'm, I'm very, very concerned for the professing church um, that just seems to be detached completely from what is going on um, eschatologically, the coming end times, um, what's going on culturally, and people are just not ready. And so I'm, I'm just asking you, like straight up, I'm asking you, what are you doing with your own journey? No, literally, hear me on this, and you have to answer, not me. You don't have to, you don't know me an answer at all, but you need to know this for yourself. What are you actually doing? Not what do you want to do? What do you think you're doing? What do you feel you're doing? But literally strip all the, the ornaments off of it. What does the tree of your life actually produce? You know, are, are you engaged? Are you doing the things that the Bible actually says that Christians do? Are you denying yourself? Are you serving others? Are you fasting? Are you praying? Are you giving? Listen, are you sacrificing your time? Are you investing your money in eternal things? Like, I mean, honestly, that's a metric. You, you should be able to know if you're giving your time and your money for the kingdom in this life. You know, when, when, when the scriptures speak about rewards and Jesus taught about rewards frequently, Paul wrote about rewards, Peter wrote about rewards. John and James, they all talk about rewards. These are not some little, you know, hors d'oeuvre or side dish in the kingdom. It's a massive component of, of the, the future events that, that literally hinge on what you're doing with your life. Guys, that's so important because listen, salvation is free salvation is granted to us by the grace of God through the merits of Jesus Christ. You can't do anything to earn salvation, but that's not the case with rewards. All rewards in the kingdom are earned by what we do in this life. Did you hear me on that? That's not legalism. That's Bible. Every reward that is mentioned in scripture is connected to something that is done by faith in this life. So rewards are not based primarily, or let me just say it this way, they're not based solely on grace. Salvation is by grace, through faith. It's a gift of God. But rewards are completely connected to what you're doing with your life. And here's the thing. 
the coming eternal state, the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on earth, which bleeds and leads straight into the eternal state. And I don't understand all of it, but it is inescapable that Jesus Christ taught that we will have capacities to rule and to reign with him in the millennial kingdom, that we will literally be co-regents with Jesus. Jesus will be the king, but we will be assigned jurisdictions and territories and capacities, responsibilities and privileges in the kingdom. And we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years while Satan is bound in the pit. And so that means like this planet is going to go under, undergo a massive shift. I mean, reality will be completely different then than it is now. We will be back here in glorified bodies ruling and reigning with Jesus. But the, you know, the people don't stop and think, what are we ruling over? What are we reigning in? Well, friends, what we fail to realize is that during that thousand years, there are going to be people born on planet Earth. There's going to be people that, you know, like literally naturally procreated and born. They will grow for a thousand years. And those people will have Jesus Christ positioned on his throne in Jerusalem. He will be a visible, literal, royal king. But what's stunning is even with Jesus Christ running the planet on earth, ruling and reigning with all of the saints of God, ruling and reigning with him, um, placed in different places on planet earth, there will still be people that will reject him and disobey him and refuse his rule. That's why the Bible says he's coming back to rule with a rod of iron. Well, there has to be somebody to rule over. And when it says we're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years, we're ruling and reigning over a planet that literally still has one final rebellion and battle coming against Christ. Because when Satan's loosed out of the pit, after the end of that thousand years, he's going to come. He's going to amass all of the rebels, all of the um, rebel governments, all of the rival governments, let me say that way, all of the gatherings of people that hate him. And those people are going to come together. They're going to try to destroy him. They're going to come, and God's going to vaporize them with fire, with destruction coming out of his mouth. And at that point, all sin will be eradicated. All sin will be eradicated. Satan, false prophet, beast, they're going to be, um, the Antichrist, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And that's when the eternal state begins. Why am I telling you all of that? Because that's the reality you need to be keeping in mind. The reality is not you getting an awesome career, getting married, having children, making a lot of money, retiring, enjoying your last years. And that's the end of the road. Friends, that is a microdot. It is a minuscule fragment of your eternal existence. And what people have lost is the awareness that how we live in the eternal state and the kingdom is hinged, it's tethered, it's connected to how you're living right now in this vapor of a life. And so that's why Jesus said, hey, look, you can store up treasures on earth and they're going to be destroyed. You're going to lose them. If you're living for treasures on earth, you're going to lose all of them. He said, but if you'll store up riches for yourself in heaven, they will await you. So literally we live now, we invest now to receive then. It's very similar to the way people invest down here. You, when, when you invest financially on planet Earth, you're actually releasing something that's in your power and in your hand. Let's say you have $1,000 and you go to invest that. And what you're doing is you're releasing it now. You're not using it now for your own purposes. You're releasing it in the hope that it will produce interest. 
that will it will gain value. That's what happens every time a financial investment is made, no matter it's where it's made. You release it in the present for hope of future gain. Well, it's very similar in the kingdom that you're sacrificing now. You're sacrificing time now. You're sacrificing energy now. You're sacrificing finances now. You're investing them in the kingdom. You work, you serve, you release, you sacrifice now. You don't live for your glory now. It's not about us now. And so when we're thinking about these things, listen, so many people are just, they're just so caught up and don't even realize it, that they are caught in the gears of the temporal. They're caught in the gears of the impermanent, that which is fading, that the, 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 the temporary state of getting what I want now out of life. And so when it comes to the kingdom, they're spiritually lazy. They're flippant. They're thinking they'll get to it someday. You know, there's people in their 20s and 30s that are waiting, like, people in their late teens that are waiting to serve God, waiting to sacrifice, waiting to get serious about the Lord. What are you waiting on? No, seriously, what are you waiting on? Don't you know that the end is coming? And if you wait too long, you're going to be like the virgins, the five virgins that when the king came, they had no oil for their lamps. They weren't ready. It's not that they were disinterested. It was that they were unprepared Because they assumed they would have time to get what they needed when the bridegroom came. And of course, we know that they were called foolish. And guys, I just want to be bold here. I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but I am saying that we got to talk about this stuff. There's a lot of people that are singing songs about glory and singing songs about eternity and singing songs about the majesty of Jesus. And you're actually not living for him. Showing up to a worship service or a prayer meeting is not serving the Lord. Singing and praising and hanging out and and sitting around, that's not serving the Lord. Listen, when I'm in my prayer times and I'm in my fasting, that is my worship, that is my consecration, that is my devotion, that is my personal pursuit of intimacy with the Lord, but that does not replace my call to serve God, to come out of the prayer closet, to come out of the prayer room to come out of my personal time of consecration, communion, and worship, and and to worship the Lord through serving the Lord. Yeah, we need to get reacquainted with Colossians 3 that tells us whatever we do, we're supposed to do it with all of our heart is under the Lord and not under men. And so guys, when I'm talking about this stuff, listen, also, you know, I think about Moses at the burning bush. Moses at the burning bush. God arrested Moses at the burning bush. And he said, I've got a plan for you. I am the, I am your God. I'm the great. I am take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. You're in my presence. You better Moses know who I am. I want to, I want to introduce myself to you. This is who I am. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. But do you know what Moses ended up doing after he worshiped, after he humbled himself, after he heard personally from the Lord, He put his sandals back on and got to work. He walked to Egypt. He walked into the palace of Pharaoh. He didn't know exactly what he was doing, and he trembled the whole time he was doing it. He struggled with it. But God said, Moses, I have work for you to do. It cost Moses something. Listen, I love you that are listening. And some of you are young, and you've you've been in a... um, You've been in an environment that's almost exclusively about worship, prayer, 
contemplation, uh, soaking in the presence of God. And that's great. We should do all of that. But somehow I'm believing that, that we've missed something with young millennials and Gen Z. Yes, I am a Gen Xer. I know I'm the old guy in the room. But I, I'm, I'm telling you from a perspective of what you might want to consider that you're missing. It's not all about praying. It's not all about worshiping. It's not all about soaking in the presence of God. Sometimes you've got to do what Jesus did in John 13 and you put on the servant's garments and you wash some feet. You serve some folks. Commit to a regular time of service. Not a haphazard, well, I'll serve. Yeah, that sounds cool. Hey, I got an opportunity to serve, so I did it for three hours. No, 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 friends. That is not the life of a disciple. It means you commit somewhere under spiritual authority. You, you, you literally get under some spiritual authority and you say, how can I serve the bigger picture? How can I serve alongside of others? How can I deny myself and commit to be somewhere at a certain time on a regular basis where people can count on me? How can I stop retaining my ability to move in and out, up and down, back and forth, popping in, popping out? Guys, that's not discipline. The root word of disciple is the same root word as discipline. And guys, I, I just think we're missing that. And uh, I don't, it doesn't, it's not a temperament thing. It's not, well, that's just not the way God wired me. Well, listen, God wired us all in ways that are not naturally conducive to his will for his lot for, for our lives. Like God has told me to be merciful, compassionate, gentle. That is not who I am in the natural so I can't just sit around and say, oh, well, God didn't make me that way, so I'm, I'm absolved from doing it. No, you actually, that's what it means to die to yourself. It's not about you being you. It's not about you being true to your own self. That is garbage, man. That is new age, secular humanism garbage. It's about you recognizing both your strengths and your weaknesses, bringing both of those things, laying it before the Lord and say, God, crucify me to myself so I can become the type of follower that Jesus died and rose for me to be. You know, when we get older, and for you guys maybe new to the broadcast, I'll be 52 in June. So in about six months, I'll be 52. I feel like I'm 35 in the sense of, you know, zeal, vision, energy, hunger, all of that stuff. But I'll be 52. And so realistically, I'm, I'm looking like, hey, I've got less time ahead of me than I do behind me, more than likely. And, and so I'm like, my one of my charges is to start speaking to the lives of people in their their teens, their twenties, their thirties, and their forties, and and say, guys, I'm telling you, I'm not an alarmist. I'm telling you, based on my understanding of biblical prophecy, based on that same anointing that the sons of Issachar had, where they discerned the times and knew what Israel ought to do. I'm listen. I'm discerning the times, and I'm telling you, I know what we need to be doing. We need to be getting dogmatically serious about where we are in our personal walk. Not what we, listen, golly, man, I feel like I'm, I'm like arguing against the spirit coming against the listener. It, it's, it's not about what you intend to do. It's not about what you think you're doing. It's not about what you hope to do. It's not about what you're waiting to do. I'm coming at you, not in a Martha spirit, but from the place of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary, Mary eventually got up too. And, and I'm saying you have to live your faith or it's not real. If it's not lived out, it's not real. It's an idea 
It's a Christianized philosophy. It is religion, but it's not revelation because when it becomes revelation, it will have action attached to it. So maybe this is just a, a, a dedicated podcast for me to say to all of you that are listening, if Jesus comes back in a month, what will you be doing? Not, not what is, what is the foundation of your faith? Not what is your core theology? Not what is wrong with everybody else that you can point out? What are you doing? What are you living? What, what, how does your faith translate into action? Because that really, really needs to concern you. Like it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. I think this can be viewed as like God's challenge to you. What are you doing with what you say you believe? And are you waiting on somebody else to make it happen for you? Are you waiting on somebody to, oh, I'd serve God, but nobody's opening the doors. Well, what are you talking about? You're talking about a platform in a church under a lights and camera at some point? You're talking about a following? Since when did that become the full summary of what it means to serve God? You serve God wherever you are. And, and again, we're stronger when we're together. Like I, I so believe in the local church. I so believe that every single Christian needs to do what Christians have been doing for 2,000 years, and that is to connect to a local body of believers and pour in there. It doesn't mean you, can, you can't have relationships outside of that local body of believers. But friends, listen, the, the idea of bouncing around from church to church to church to church and never committing and never putting yourself under God-ordained biblical spiritual authority, that is an anomaly, man. That is not biblical Christianity. Like you're accountable, you're accountable. You're, we're actually accountable to each other, not only to God, but we're accountable to each other. But if you never submit yourself under spiritual authority, I mean, and the, listen, that's an entirely different podcast, but the Bible is very clear that God raises up spiritual authority, human spiritual authority in the church. And you can't say, well, yeah, some of those guys and women, they've abused it. Well, of course they have that. That's not new. They've been doing that since the very beginning. Google the name Diotrephes. Google the name Diotrephes and see what you know. John wrote about Diotrephes and uh, Scripture. Paul listed his enemies in the church, like people that straight up were bad influencers in the church. But Paul also compelled people: stay connected, serve one another, put on the armor of God. Wake up daily as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and fight the good fight. And we're never supposed to do it alone. You know, the title of the podcast, the name of the podcast is Mavericks and Misfits. And Mavericks really think at times in the flesh that they're allowed to just do everything alone. Nope, we're not. I'm a maverick. But I've learned a long time ago that uh, I can buck the system, but I cannot walk away from the biblical mandate for us to pursue oneness and to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Um, I've been under spiritual authority. I have people that I'm accountable to right now. Um, I won't name names, but I, I, I have an apostolic covering. I have somebody that I'm accountable to that I would consider an ap apostolic covering in my life. I have a few other people that are peers with me that may not have positions over me, but they, they have my uh, trust 
and I listen to them and they will occasionally correct me, rebuke me, challenge me. And I don't distance myself from them and walk away and consider myself above, you know, correction. No, I have to be under spiritual authority too. And so let me wind this thing up. <laughs> I didn't intend to talk about any of this today. The next podcast I'll have uh, what I really wanted to share with you today. But uh, I just really felt the Holy Spirit on this. I feel like some of you just, guys, I love you. And I love you so much that I don't care if you're offended with me. I don't care. I am going for the gold in you. And you've got a thousand people patting you on the head. You've got podcasters, preachers, ministers, you know, people that have media ministries. And they, they coddle you. They lie to you. They want you to like them. So they refuse to tell you the hard things. And man, that is not love. That is manipulation. And so I'd rather you be offended potentially with hard truths that I'm sharing than for you to be coddled in a lie or half truth. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life today? Not what do you intend to do? Not what do you have a vision of doing? Not what has been prophesied over you? Some of you, some of you guys and girls are living under the, the fading vapors of a prophecy from years ago, and you're still waiting for that thing to manifest. In the meantime, you're not putting in the hard work to do what you can do. The prophetic culture enables a lot of people to just kind of live in the shadow of a prophecy that, uh, you know, may never come to pass. <laughs> a prophecy is not a promise. A prophecy is always attached to some form of stewarding that prophecy and the human responsibility. And God likes to give breakthrough to people that are already in motion, not people that are sitting around saying, I'm just waiting on my breakthrough. That is not Jesus. So what are you doing? So, well, Jeff, I don't know what to do. I appreciate that honesty. Do what you can do until you are aware of what you should do. If you do what you can do, that means starting out with the John 13 metaphor of putting on the garments of a servant, taking a bowl, washing the feet of the disciples. That's the metaphor there. That's what Jesus did. Jesus's great work was to die on the cross and to rise again and to save humanity. But before that happened, he did what he could do, which is to wash the dirty feet of the disciples in the upper room. And so when we're thinking about these things, I'm, I'm just going to give you some practical advice. Commit to one local church. Pick one. Find a word and spirit church. A church that pursues the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit because you need them for ministry, not because they look cool on media. You need them for ministry. A church that denies the gifts of the Spirit is going to be operating in the strength of the flesh. They may be sincere. They may have right doctrine in the sense of they are trying to advance the gospel. But if they don't have the gifts of the Spirit, they will have limited breakthrough in ministry. And so that's not a church I could recommend. Nor would I recommend a church that has all of the signs, wonders, healings, miracles, and breakthrough and ignores the written word of God, ignores the reality that apostolic doctrine is essential for what is coming. If we are not grounded in the word, all we're going to know how to do is flop around on the floor and, you know, travail and fast and pray. And we're not going to know why we're doing it. We're not going to actually know what the Bible says. And so we need we need doctrine and we need encounter. So find a church like that. It doesn't matter if it's big. It doesn't matter if it's small. It needs to have godly leaders full of integrity that live out what they preach. And then you commit, you get connected, you find out where you can serve, 
and stay there. Quit bouncing around. Quit looking for what's cool. You need to know what God is saying. You need to see what God is doing. and You need to get in on it. And all of this is going to happen in part through your commitment. And so, again, what are you doing with your life? I hope you've been challenged. It's not my responsibility to tell you pinpoint precisely exactly this is the will of God for your life. All I'm doing is stirring you up to say you better be pursuing it. you got to know because ultimately that's what you're going to give an account for. You'll stand before Jesus Christ. And you will have to give an account for what you did with what he gave you. And friends, time is short. Don't put it off any longer. All right, listen, speaking of time being short, my time is gone today. I appreciate you listening to Mavericks and Misfits. If you want to gain some advantage and some free resources, go to my um, umbrella website. Uh, that's transformingtruth.org. And let the word of God fill you. I preach, I teach. There's 30 minute segment, hour long segments. Hey, listen, if you want to help us here at the ministry, get a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get it on transformingtruth.org or Amazon or wherever they buy and sell books. And uh, that helps me. It helps us to you know be able to support some of the things that we're doing. And um, also just uh, maybe rate and review Mavericks and Misfits. Share about it. Don't be afraid to let people on your social media feeds know about it. The time is short and you're going to notice this in 2022. I'm going to be going hard after um, our commitments, our convictions and our commitments. I'm not playing around. You can't play around. Let's go ahead and let's be a band of Christian followers of Jesus that are, we got our minds made up. We have to make up our minds. God bless. I will talk to you next time. What a word. We're happy you were able to tune in today. You can help us reach more people by rating and reviewing Mavericks and Misfits on whatever platform you use to listen to today's podcast. Connect with Jeff on his personal and ministry social media links by visiting transformingtruth.org. Also, feel free to email Jeff with comments or questions at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll say it again, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. We will talk to you again next week. Peace.